Yeah. Um, but I, I can't speak for everyone. I've only lived my own life, but I do know that I've always had a trouble recognizing hints. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I, some of that's maybe it's because I'm a man, or maybe some of it's because I'm, you know, I, I'm an Aspie. I, I don't know. But for example, when I was five years old, my parents went on a trip to Graceland to see Elvis's uh, home mm-hmm. uh, in Memphis. Memphis. Mm-hmm. And it apparently had been raining in Memphis. And we parked along the side of the road in front of the mansion. I don't know if you ever saw the pictures of the front of his gate or his home. Mm-hmm. But we parked the family car in front of the mansion. And uh, my dad said to me, don't get your shoes muddy. And I was five. And basically, I heard him. I heard every word he said. What he didn't say was, don't walk through that ditch to get to the fence because you'll get your shoes muddy. It's been raining. Mm-hmm. But say the rest of the part stuff. And I fully understood, don't get your shoes muddy. I wouldn't have deliberately walked, stepped in a, you know, a, a pile of mud. But I didn't, it didn't dawn on me that... When he said, don't get your shoes muddy, he meant, it's been raining a lot. That that ditch is very muddy. I don't want you getting your shoes muddy because you're getting back in the car. And my dad was a, I get a lot of my OCD from my dad. Hello and welcome. I'm Jody Carlton and your host today. I'm neurotypical, which means I'm not autistic, but I've spent my entire life in relationships loving people who are autistic. Moreover, I've spent the majority of my career educating about autism and helping couples bridge the gap in neurodiverse relationships. But this podcast is for you. It's a place to talk with me, to share your struggles, talk to me about your wins, your challenges, your victories, and also hear from other professionals who really get it and understand you. So what will we talk about today? Okay, welcome to part two of my conversation with Bo. If you missed part one, just go back to last week's recording. We had some really great conversations about sensory processing, and he talked about how a lot of what happened to him as a child really makes sense now as an adult and how that affects his adult relationships now with his girlfriend and and others. So go back and listen to that. And now I'm just going to go right on straight into part two. So I, I failed to get that hint. Another time my aunt said to me, would you like to go down and open the gate for me? And I just <laughs> said, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it sounds laughable, but it wasn't with Mal. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, I'm chuckling it, at, yeah, the, at, it, at the yeah. situation. No, I get it. But, but I mean, I, I wasn't trying to be malicious. I wasn't trying to be a smart mm-hmm. it or difficult. Mm-hmm. I just had no interest in driving, walking down. You were just simply driving. answering the question. No, I you would not question. like to. But yeah. my mom was like, that was, you know, that was rude. It, it was. Yeah, she, she, she was asking you if you'd go down to open the gate for her. I said, she didn't do that. She said, would I like to? Right. I wouldn't like to. And, you know, I suppose you can say that someone's dense or, 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 or thick or not very astute. I was probably 10 years old at the time, and it just didn't, it just, I would have gladly went down and opened the gate for her. If she said, will you open the gate for me? Please open mm-hmm. the gate for me. I would have done that. And, I, you know, since then, I've had many relationships, uh, uh, girlfriends and, and, you know, and a couple of wives. And uh, both of them, I'm sure at times, did as the post 
sister did in your Facebook group where she, you know, basically said, well, you know, it's cold. Uh, it sure is cold in here. That's not the same as there's a blanket over there. Will you hand that to me? I'm, I'm cold. Mm -hmm. I would have gladly done that. And I, I've talked to my, my current girlfriend about this and, uh, she, I think she's pretty aware of uh, although her son has some traits and so she's, and, and I think her dad has some traits. So I think she's probably, uh, more aware than most people. And basically we don't have many problems with hands because I just don't take them. And I, I'm, I'm sort of a, I try to be a people pleaser when I, wherever I can, but unless there's the direct request in there, I, I'm not, you know, someone saying, you know, this thing or that thing, I, I ask me since spend so much time hearing somebody say pleasantries like, uh, how are you doing today? And then I go to answer and I start saying, oh, well, my back hurts or, uh, you know, I, you know, I sprained my ankle yesterday or whatever. And a litany of complaints or whatever. I mean, I had a laundry list. I probably had a list on my phone and, and it's like, and they're already halfway, they're already halfway down the hall because hello, they don't really care. This is just a greeting. This is not a sincere, uh, request to know what's going on in my life, either good or bad. This is, uh, I'm walking by you and it's rude not to say something. So I'm just going to say this thing that doesn't mean anything. Right. So basically Aspies go around saying, well, this is what they say, but this is what it really means. Yeah. And so we spend so much time with that mindset that when someone says, I haven't had any coffee today, you know, we, we might think, well, I wonder what that really means. Does that mean they want me to get some? We're already three miles past the exit. They want to stop to get the, the you know, the restaurant for the coffee or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, the, you know, I mean, we just don't do very well with hints generally. And I, and I, I'm speaking, I guess I've decided to elect myself for the, uh, the world's representative for the Aspies and I, and I don't have any right to. Oh, well, but, uh, what you're saying is all absolutely spot on. And, and it, you know, that it's, it's very accurate and, um, it's, I, I think you can represent the Aspies of the world. I, I so yes. And, and I think it's such an important message for, for people to hear because not number one, the other, uh, neurodiverse folks who are listening are going to be like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, it's not just me. Yes. I, and I, I literally had this conversation with a couple this week who were doing a, a consultation with me for coaching and, and he was saying to her, you know, I just tell me, just tell me what you want. Exactly. Be really explicit. And, you know, I mean, she's worried about pleasantries, but I, I don't just, you know what, if I smell bad, tell me, I'll go take a shower. If, uh, yeah. if that on your foot, let me know. I'll get off of it. You know, I, I, I mean, don't think of some nice way, mm -hmm. you know, be direct. I mean, I well, suppose you'd be direct and brash, but I, you know, that, and that's too much, but I. And Bo, you and I are both here in the South the Southern United States. Right. And they're in different parts of the world. It's it's different in terms of what's you know, what were what the expectations are about pleasantries. You know, you're talking about pleasantries and there are differences even, you know, here in our country, the the northeast and being blunt and uh, just very upfront is more acceptable. Point. 
right in the northeast whereas here in the south we are very much more about the the pleasantries and the the passive statements and and we are taught here uh especially i would say women especially are taught not to be really blunt and upfront and assertive because that makes you uppity or a b word that that's exactly right and so it's very uncomfortable for a lot of women here to to speak to their partners that way and and so as you can imagine and and as you have experienced you don't even have to imagine it that causes so much confusion in neurodiverse relationships and it, it and nobody knows why until finally that piece of the puzzle is discovered for a lot of people when some somebody one of the, one of the partners figures out that somebody's autistic and then i see so many couples then going oh oh and it's not about then oh something's wrong with you somebody something's wrong with you you're autistic you're aspie you're neurodiverse whatever word you want to use it's about oh this is why it's about the the just the differences in how we communicate and how we think and how our brains work and it's just such a wonderful thing to finally figure out for so many people. So many people don't even know the traits is the thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, they they watch uh, uh, the show with Sheldon. What's what's the the science mm -hmm. show? Yeah, um, Big Bang they, Theory. Big Bang Theory, they, and and they think Sheldon's a hoot and he's a crazy, you know, mm -hmm. wacky character and he's quirky mm -hmm. and all that, and they think, thank God, I'm not like that guy. Right. But, but really, it's maybe it's an extreme archetype. Of, of, it is. It's a stereotype and it's extreme and it's it's really exaggerated. But in reality, oh, oh, I had brunch with a friend of mine last week and he is a manager for a uh, telecommunications company in IT. And I said, look, you work with so many autistic folks. I promise you, because it's a yeah. IT is a hotbed for um, ISPs. And, they don't have to work with people so much. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, that's yeah, logic and and programming, and it's mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. it's really is. And he said, "Really?" And I said, "Oh, yes, I, I promise you." And and so then he, we were having a chat about. He said, "You know, we just were talking a little bit later." He, he said, "You know, we're having trouble with um since the pandemic. You know, a lot of our folks are still remote, and um we're you know they don't." we're struggling to get them to turn on their webcams and I think they're just having zoom fatigue and, and you know, we, we don't know how to, and I said, no, 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 no. It's, it's not zoom fatigue. I said, they, they just can't concentrate with the video on and, and they're, they're struggling to even hear the conversation because of distractions in the background that, that are behind your heads. And, and he just, he sat there staring at me open mouth. He said, what? And I said, you should just ask them to turn their videos on maybe for five minutes at the beginning, say hello, and then turn them off so they can concentrate. And uh, he said, I need you to come speak to my managers. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, what, what the reason I was sharing that is that we, uh, what I was telling you is I promise you, you not only work with autistic folks, but you know autistic folks there I, I see quirks and and i don't think everybody's either either or i think like i said i've always used the analogy that instead of a light switch of on and off i think it's more like a uh a dimmer switch i mm. think i think nobody's 100 percent to the left or 100 percent the right i think we're all at different stages but if certain if somebody's past a certain point then they are 
you know, I guess it's more on the spectrum than anybody else, but I, everybody has little quirks and OCD and I don't think everybody is, has, you know, has Asperger's or, or, or is autistic. I think everybody just has some level of it. Nobody's completely normal. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think everybody has, has something about them. Yeah. We certainly all have our unique traits and quirks and characteristics. And as far as neurodivergence goes, I've definitely seen that to be a spectrum. You know, I mentioned my son earlier. He's not autistic, but he has sensory processing disorder. And, you know, he has some of the other traits that we see in autism. He, he had epilepsy when he was younger. And he, that's a very common thing that we see in autism. And, you know, he's, he's had, um, he had some, some difficulties with sensory issues that my daughter didn't even have, but yet he's not autistic. He doesn't meet, he doesn't have the social difficulties and he didn't have some of the language processing. So like you said, as far as being along that spectrum, He's just, he's, he, he didn't meet that criteria. And when I test people, when I do assessments for folks, um, one of the assessments that I use is the AQI. It's the Autism Quotient Index that researchers at Cambridge developed, and it gives a score. And so as, as that score creeps higher and higher, the more traits you tend to have, the more characteristics you tend to have, and the lower that score, the less you have. So yes, I agree. And, and a lot of folks with ADD, ADHD type diagnoses. Sometimes that's the first diagnosis people will have had that ultimately ends up being more of an autistic diagnosis. That's more of an executive functioning diagnosis. It has to do with the where uh, tasking and organizing and memory and, and all of that sometimes does fall under the, the autism umbrella. You said something earlier. Oh, it was the, the um, not getting your shoes muddy. That's really an executive functioning uh, difficulty that you ran into there because understanding I, I shouldn't get my shoes wet is one thing, but then understanding the steps involved, that's I a was, sequencing, was, organizing thing. Yeah, that's executive I'm functioning. I'm so mad because it's the first thing I did. I walked mm -hmm. through the ditch and he didn't say don't walk through that ditch. If he had, mm -hmm. I would have done it. I believe me. Right. But and, and that's, that's executive functioning, executive, the root word there being execute, executive functioning, the way we execute tasks, the way we, uh, we go about doing things, step one, step two, step three, step four. So the neurotypical brain lumps so many steps into one that really there are so many micro steps to the things that we do every day. And for an autistic brain, those steps need to be broken down into much smaller pieces that for a neurotypical person, it, it, just, it seems they don't realize how many micro steps there are. I've, I've had neurotypical partners say, you know, they, they say, oh my gosh, it takes my, my husband so long to mow the grass. I don't know what he's doing out there. And you know, I'll talk to the autistic partner and there may be so many different pieces of that or parts of that sequence. He may go out to cut the grass, but then you know, get the moat more pulled out, but then forget that he didn't have, you know, full tank of gas and then go drive to the store. But then he forgot the, the little, the gas tank that he had to fill up and he had to come back. And it, it just so many things that by the time he finishes, it, it, it took him a lot longer to get it. Following, following directions is uh, whether it's to find a location or just to perform some task mm -hmm. is 
it's a nightmare for me because, uh, you know, by the time, you know, if somebody says, okay, well, you go up to the third street and you turn left and uh, you go through three lights and then you, I'm already, I've already forgotten. Mm-hmm. The first mm-hmm. It's like, you can't, they say you can't miss it unless it's a one way road with no other, other driveways. And I can probably still screw that up. And sometimes they'll say, oh, it's the next light. It's like, well, are you counting the one that we're just about to go under? Right. Or, 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 or right. It, they say, it's, it say I'm going to, let's meet for lunch next Monday. Okay. Uh, today is, today is, you know, is, is Tuesday. So next Monday is, 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 is six days from now. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I would or if it's Sunday and they that, say next Monday. That's, that's, right, that's right. Monday, mm-hmm. not Monday. It's like you, what you mean is Monday a week from then, because okay. say that don't say next Monday because the very next one in the calendar is the next Monday. Right. Or, right. or supper. I have the whole problem. Uh, uh, the whole, to me, it's breakfast, dinner and supper. And my girlfriend will say, what did you have for dinner? I said, well, uh, that was four hours ago. She means supper to me, right. third meal. But she says, you know, you, you know, but, but that's, but that's, that's, that's not really, that's more of a, I guess a regional dialect and an old person thing. I don't know. No, it's, it's a language. It's a, it's a, it's a communication in the way we use language thing. And that's part of what I teach in the communication program that I have. It's, it's about, clarifying meaning in the stages of communication that I teach we I I teach how that breakdown can happen at each stage of communication and stage three that I teach is is the meaning that we assign and the meaning that we take from from the interactions that we have which is stage two and so many errors of meaning take place happen in stage three and it's because of the the interpretation the the ways we use language differently, the different meanings we have for even words and phrases and as an, and expressions, and we don't even know it. And, and some of that is just just dialect, but some of it is just the way our brains actually make sense of language. And we can walk away from a conversation and have a completely different meaning for what we just said, what we just talked about. And until couples learn how to say, okay. This is what I meant by that. What did you mean by that? And oh, learn how to clarify it, it. There's so much misunderstanding. There's so there's times that I, I could pass a polygraph, and mm. she said, "You said so." I said, "Didn't say that." She right. said, "You said so." I not say that. She said, "She said I was right there." How? Why are you lying? Why are you saying that you didn't say that? I said, "I didn't say that." And then I, I'll I'll ask for clarification. She'll say, "She'll say, well, you said." This and this, and in her mind, that means this. Right. But that's what it means to me. So therefore, I'm not lying. Because that's exactly what I'm talking about. What you just described is exactly what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's lost in translation because we both interpret things different ways. I I only had a handful of arguments with my ex-wife for 15 years. But uh, one or two of the, the one or two that I had, they were about things like that, mm-hmm. where it was um, it, it was a he said, she said kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, I would easily pass a polygraph test. And so would she, because we both believe what we're saying. Yes. And we were both in conversation. 
But it wasn't like we were discussing what two plus two equals, because that's an exact answer. What we mean by it. Yes. And and that's, you know, that's why a lot of my neurotypical partners get confused and they the, this term gaslighting comes up and narcissism and they wonder if their partners are narcissistic and they feel gaslighted. Gaslighted is like this, this, you know, they feel like their partners are are trying to to make them crazy by lying and make them doubt themselves and make them doubt their reality. And it's because of what you just said, because their partners 100% believe their own version of what happened or what was said. And the neurotypical women 100% believe their own version of what was said. It's not a gaslighting thing. It's not that someone's, you know, nef- it's not a nefarious, um, you know, tactic to try to control and manipulate. It's that the meaning, the use of language is so different that you both have absolutely different understandings of what was said. And so it's so important to learn how to say, okay, what did you mean? What did, you know, here's right. what I meant. What did you mean? And then when you realize there's been a misunderstanding, getting caught in that he said she said place that's just going to be destructive that's not going to help anything terrible and i i've learned and my girlfriend has learned if she if i say something that hurts her feelings or rubs her the wrong way she's learned to try to stop and count to 10 or whatever and say okay this is what i heard this is what i think you meant by it will you tell me what you did mean by it Yes. A lot of times I'm like, you thought I meant that? I'm not, not, I, you know, I, I, I may offend people, but it's usually kind of purpose. Usually, I I mean, if I offend somebody, it's usually not intentional. And it's a lot of times it's from a misunderstanding, but I'm not going to take credit for deliberately offending somebody if it was an accident. And it's usually through misinterpretation of, of what I said or, or that things don't mean the same thing to me. And maybe I did say it, but it doesn't mean what you think it means to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that's a relationship thing as much as it is an Aspie or NT versus the NT it thing. It is. I mean, I mean, it's probably more pronounced. With- oh, yeah, I would agree. It, it is. It is definitely a relationship thing, but it is a much more pronounced thing for neurodiverse relationships. And, and that's why it's really critical for when any couple realizes that they're a neurodiverse couple, it's very important to learn how to clarify in your conversations because otherwise you're just you're just walking around totally misunderstanding each other. Unless you want to pick fights with somebody, which is counterproductive and and destructive, nobody wants to go to bed angry. I mean, I hope not. I mean, most people want to have, but there's times that I went to bed and my partner was furious at me and I'm laying there and I'm not even aware of it. And it's like, I'm starting to get the vibe and it can be a little slow and a little thick, but I'm starting to get the vibe that she's angry at me about something. And I have no idea why I have mm. no idea. And, um, and then I think I'm, I'm starting to think back over the day's events and what I said and what she said. And I think, well, I wonder if it's about this. And I bet she thinks that I meant that, or she wanted me to do this thing first. You know, if somebody gives me a list of things, to better be a short list because I, I really only need one or two things to do at once. And like at work, 
if I work on one thing and I try to get that thing done and, and I'm known at work for the person who does meticulous, precise, exacting, uh, accurate, correct work. Mm-hmm. But if you start interrupting me, stop this project and get on this one for a little bit and then move over here to this one because we don't know about this and we go over to this one for a while and then go back to the first thing, I'm going to miss something. Right. And I'm a one at a time kind of guy. And, and, you know, and it gets that's not practical in the real world all the time, but I fight for it. Right. And. Right. So that's if you that's me part of that executive function too, that not needing to be distracted. Yeah. And, and Kind of ironic because if you knew how much introspection and and thought and processing I I do on everything that 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 uh, that most people wouldn't even dream of having a dream about, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about why this is happening or whatever, and and I'm thinking fourteen layers deep in something. You think, well, if I can do that, then why can't I also? do this list of 12 things that the wife wanted me to do or whatever. I, and, and I can't answer that. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm spitballing here, but I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. But I think that's, it's really weird because probably if they had one of those, those brain scan things, the cat, the CRT, the cat scan or mm-hmm. MRI, they could see the activity in my brain. There's one little section that's probably on fire. And there's another section that's cold and dormant. has got spider webs on it. It's <laughs> doing nothing. And, and it's probably been that way for years because I use part of my brain all the time and other times, other parts I don't use at all. And so I guess there are certain impairments and I've learned to compensate mm-hmm. and sexual memory and enact to recognize patterns that is, is highly unusual based on everybody I talk to. It's mm-hmm. like, how do you remember that kid from kindergarten? It's like, well, he was, he sat in three rows behind me on the, he was on the uh, Superman beach towel and during the, (laughs) this was, this was 50 years ago. Right. And I I haven't saw him in 50 years. I see him at the, you know, at the, at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. That's that's, that's Charles. I I was in kindergarten with that kid, but he moved away after that. Yeah. And so it's, it's a disjointed, it's what we call a, a disjointed memory profile and and so you you're the way your brain is processing memories even is like you've got these strong memories of of like visual memories even of certain events but like you said if your your girlfriend or one of your ex-wives had given you a list of of things to get at the grocery store it, it would you would not be able to remember something like that it's, it's the difference between short term and medium term and long term and and visual and, and and different kinds of memory experiential memories uh the brain just organizes those things differently i i found that if i find something interesting mm-hmm. i can i can digest it and i can i can understand it and i can become a an expert in something if i find it interesting oh right yeah so so a trick i used in school was I tried to force myself to like things, subjects that I wasn't particularly naturally interested in. And the only way I could get through them was to kind of trick myself into believing that I, I was more interested in those things than I was. And then I sort of become a, you know, I wouldn't say an expert or a master at it, but I would, I would get to the point to where I, I would really be comfortable with it. And it wasn't naturally to me to be interested, excuse me, in this one thing or another, but I, Learning, to, that's how I also keep my attention going, mm-hmm. was to 
like I said, if it's something I'm interested in, I hear every word. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm on fire. I could probably answer a hundred, hundred quiz, a hundred question quiz and get the majority of them right. But if I'm not, I may or may not even be in the room. I mean, physically, I mean, mentally, you know, well, cognizantly when we're. And that, can, that goes along with what we know about memory, honestly, because when we're attending to something, when we're paying attention to something, we are able to remember it. When, when our attention, when we don't, something is not holding our attention, we really struggle to remember. So you, it sounds like you tapped into a, uh, a strategy, a trick. Yeah. Help trick your own brain into remembering yeah. something by, by convincing yourself you're interested, which helped you to pay more attention to it. Right. Well, if there was a pattern that I could hang on to, a system or a pattern, if there was a method to the madness. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times when, when, once I understood something, I could explain it to the rest of the class who were struggling. Yeah. Yeah. And patterns, patterns are something also, you know, anything that's got, a, like you said, a system, and a, you know, that is something else that anything, it gives us order. Yeah. That's why mnemonic devices work too, to help with memory. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, Bo, I, I really appreciate this conversation. This has been great. I think that there are going to be so many people listening who can relate to so much of what you've said, the, a lot of Aspies out there who are listening. And then also, I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of neurotypical partners to hear what you've said, because um, it's sometimes a lot easier to hear somebody else talk about these things, even though their own partner may have shared a lot of this with them. It's a lot easier to hear it from somebody else sometime and just and say, okay, yeah, this is what you've been saying to me, to their partner. And I think that some neurotypical partners are going to hear what you've had to say and realize that their own partners are, you know, not just making this stuff up and that it's, it's a really, you know, it's legit. And I think you've, you've probably helped a lot of people by being on the show today. So I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Anytime you want to come back, just let me know and we'll hop on another uh, another call and, and do another recording. Okay, good, because I only got through halfway through the list. <laughs> oh okay. We'll have to we'll have to book another time then. Thanks, Bo. You have a great evening. You too. All right. Good night. Bye. Remember to tune in each week for a new episode of your Neurodiverse Relationship Podcast. Now remember, this is your podcast, and I want to talk to you. Share with me your personal experiences with neurodiversity. If you're a professional working with autism, I'd also like to talk to you. To be a guest on the show, the link is in the episode description where you can book a time for a recorded chat with me. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any of the wonderful conversations we're having here and the relationship insights and tips that I have for you. Until next time.